Welcome to The Career Studio, a USU career services podcast that helps you navigate your career path. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to have Leslie Bolton here joining the show today. Welcome, Leslie. Hi, Marissa. Thank you for having me. Leslie has been with the University of Utah for over 25 years and currently works as an employment engagement specialist, where she serves as the liaison between employer opportunities and eager students looking for experience. She earned her associate's degree from then LDSBC in business administration and began her career as a staff support. She has and continues to take many opportunities to grow her skill sets and knowledge by participating in national and regional organization boards and memberships that have broadened her network. So Leslie, as a fun fact, you mentioned that you traveled to Europe for a month before you got married and in fun, you fired paintball guns at your kids, both of which you highly recommend. So I feel like there are some good stories that I need to uncover here. So let's start with Europe. (laughs) Oh, you know, Marissa, when you asked me about a fun fact, that was probably the hardest question to come up with. I even had to talk with my son. I said, what do I, what's a fun fact? And he just kind of gave me some strange quirks that I have. (laughs) But the traveling, that was over 30 years ago. It was with an aunt and uncle and cousins that we traveled for about a month. And what an experience that any traveling that you can do, pre-children or with children or anything, is such an opportunity to learn about cultures and other people and, and what they do. It was such a good experience for me to get out of my little bubble of Utah and expand that. And the planning of a long trip is exciting in itself because it takes a lot of planning. Right now, we just can't do that. In fact, we had another big trip to Europe last spring that had to be canceled. You don't have to go anywhere really to learn. With now, I have enjoyed opportunities even the university has had by it's the Go Learn speaker series that have talked about um, different cultures. So I just took advantage of that. So just learning about things that are outside your world are great. Um, And then (laughs) I am not, hobby is, the hobby is not going and shooting my children. In fact, I've never (laughs) gone again to do um, paintballing, but it just reminded me, you need to have fun once in a while. So it was a trip that I took just with my two sons when they were younger and there was an opportunity to go paintballing. I'd never done it. And so, you know, our little family shot against another family. And at the end, you still have paintballs. And the director just said, you got to get rid of them. So I, instead of shooting targets, I just shot at my kids. And my older son, he thought it was fun and got back at me. I think I traumatized my younger son. He couldn't really understand why I was shooting it, but it, oh, it felt so good just to be spontaneous and something fun. So when I said to recommend both, yeah, there's things you need to plan and, and do and learn, but you got to have fun and spontaneous too. So you got to do both. I love those insights. And I think that's a really great segue into what we'll be chatting more about today. This month, we really want to focus on career non-negotiables or those values and priorities that you have on a personal level that kind of guide that career decision decision-making and planning for the future. So Leslie, you mentioned to me earlier that in your career, very early on, you had a boss who really endorsed and and encouraged you to take some new opportunities for growth. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that early on experience with that employer. 
Yeah. So just graduating from college, I just wanted to get a job. I just needed to make money. So I really didn't have the mindset of, oh, I'm starting my career. It was, you're right. It was just a staff support position. And it, it was here at the University of Utah. And I was able though to progressed naturally. The director was so great to encourage new opportunities. And if you wanted to, to take classes, to build up your skills. So I took advantage of that. And then just as the opportunities came and new roles were available, I went ahead and and applied and was able to get those. And so, like I said, it was just kind of a natural progression for me. I learned such valuable skills. I was able to, as I grew in to being the student employment coordinator, which it was called then. I was able to supervise students and hire them, the work-study students, and like I said, be on board and a national and regional memberships and travel a little bit. But at that time, I don't think it was, you're defining your career. It was just opportunities that came about and I just jumped on them. And the encouragement that I had from the director was just kind of the push that made it happen. And just every step just was very much in line with the priorities that I had at that time. So I didn't know of the definition of non-negotiables, but as I look back, those opportunities and how it worked just gave me that push to achieve a little bit more. Well, and I love this idea of taking opportunities. I think so often, especially as students are nearing graduation, they have this mindset of, okay, I'm starting my career and and there's a lot of pressure, understandably. But I love that you kind of took a different approach of, let me just take the next opportunity. And that may or may not be where I am in five years, but let me just take that next opportunity. I think that's a very healthy approach, especially as you're just starting your career, just to frame it as an opportunity rather than these life heavy decision making. So I really, really love that approach. And it kind of leads me into this next question. So I'd love to hear about some of the core values that you identified for yourself early on that have really influenced your career decision making. Oh, yeah. What really impacted me is what my family needed at that time. So early on, it was just fun. But then as I got married and had children, I needed to provide. So that was the first core value of how am I going to provide? I need insurance, you know, and those benefits. My husband was going to school at that time. So that tuition reimbursement was huge on my list. And, you know, that even helped with my children when they got older. And also I needed the ability to leave work at work because I had to go home and put on a different hat and take care of kids. I don't have the capacity to be able to try to do all that and do work at home too. So that was a real core value that I had in thinking of work that yes, I needed to provide, but I also had to get home. But also for value for myself is the, like I said, the opportunities to learn and trying new things that were, was a core value, if you say, that I needed to improve on myself as well. And even though some of those steps were scary, I really liked the opportunity of being out of my comfort zone and doing that. Those decisions really pushed me and influenced me to believe that I could build my career here at the U. I love that. And I'd love to stay on this vein of motherhood 
neighborhood and work just a little bit longer. There's so many students, whether they're at USU or the U of U or outside of Utah, that are trying to juggle this heavy load of parenting and then also going to school and also, you know, maybe working at the same time. And so I'd love to hear how you kind of juggled these different aspects. You know, at certain times, were you leaning into one more than the other? How did you navigate that? You know, I really love how you you put that, that of really leaning into it. I didn't think of it in that way, but yeah, there was a lot of that. It was a lot of juggling. Early on, I was working full-time. My husband was going to school. I had a young baby and maternity leave really wasn't a thing at that time. So you just had to kind of just work. I had to find childcare. I mean, this is worldwide. Women are doing this all the time. And in my case, you know, I did have to lean in to work a little bit more at this time because I was providing, my husband was working as well, but I had the insurance. As I was, like I said, growing in my roles, I was traveling. So I had to rely on my husband and others for, for child care. And I missed out on, as he grew, some of you know those fun preschool activities that you like to go and participate at Halloween and things like that. Yeah, I wasn't there. So that's where I was leaning. I was really leaning into the work at that time. But like I said, I was able to go home and take care of things. But when I became pregnant with my second child, I made the decision to stay home. So I quit and stayed home for 10 years. And then that leaning, man, I went all in. I went, I was on the PTA board. I was the room mother. You know, it was like I was making up time for all of this of, of not being home as much earlier. So that's where I leaned in, in working. But then when my third child was in first grade, I was thinking, to go back to work. I needed something that I could still get home and take care of my kids, but I needed, again, the insurance and those benefits. And I kept in contact with the Career Center here at the U and they called me and said that there was another opening that I could apply for. And again, it was just support staff, but it was only 30 hours a week, which still included the benefits that I could have. But I would be able to then leave work and be home early in the evening when I needed to, when the kids got out of school. So I was very appreciative that I still had some of those skills and I knew I had to learn a whole lot because I was gone for 10 years. That's that's a big span. Well, and I wanted to kind of dig into that because I think so many people, especially when they take off large gap years to stay home with children, how did you maintain those relationships? Because I think that's the piece that a lot of people forget is to maintain some kind of connection. So how did you do that? There was one summer I did a project just kind of doing some auditing for them. And I had such good friends that I made previously that they weren't just work associates. They were my friends. And it wasn't like we would go out. I mean, I was really the youngest starting. I mean, I just started as a 21-year-old, you know, that was a long time ago. So in that group, I was really the youngest. And there were mentors that I had. And I such admired the women that I had worked with that we just just kept in contact. And one of the women that was the administrative assistant who was helping with hiring, she knew me and just called me and said, hey, you need to come back. I was grateful. I mean, that doesn't always happen. You don't burn bridges is what I'm saying. You just keep those connections because you know what? You may need to use them again someday. You need to keep that network. I didn't know it was called a network, but that's really what it was. And I was so appreciative and it wasn't humiliating to go, well, I had this other position I should get back in. I started again at the bottom. It wasn't the bottom. It, you know, a support staff, which is such an essential part of any workplace. And I 
kind of knew how things worked, even though it was so different after 10 years. But I knew the, the basics and I knew when the opportunities came that I could grab them. And I had kind of the experience. So I, again, was over kind of the student employment aspect of it. And I knew how to do career fairs. So I kind of put myself into that situation again and was able to still do all of that and work 30 hours. Yeah, my kids came to work a couple of times. You know, right. a workplace doesn't always allow that, but I put them to work filing or counting cans, you know, just things like that. Having the friendships there that they knew you could get the work done and that you would be there. And then eventually I was able to work full time again after my kids grew. And so it was kind of a full circle that those priorities changed. I wasn't needed as much at home and I was able to work more. And then that leaning again into work came about again. That's such great insights. And I really love this idea. And this kind of leads into another question I wanted to ask you, which is about why you've stayed with the U for so long. And you've already kind of hit on, you know, there was opportunities presented. Also sounds like there was some great mentoring and team collaboration. But you tell us, what were some of the reasons that you've stayed with the U for so long? It's been six years collectively. When I was gone for 10 years, I've been back 16 years. So I've been very happy because the environment fits with my lifestyle. I think that's really the biggest part of it that I've had the privilege to work, like I said, with some really great co-workers who I said were my friends, but even the students that I've been able to, when I was over the front desk, just working with the students and getting their perspectives. I loved that supervision and becoming a mentor to them. The colleagues across the campus, you know, those opportunities to work outside of the office and learning how others, we have to make those liaisons. Just, we all really have a, a common denominator is helping the students. So where we can find those. And so you have to reach out to the college community, the employers that I have been working with. Some of them I have become very good friends with and just learning about how we can make those connections. And then, like I said, when I did travel and and was on on boards, just getting to know other colleges around and universities across the United States, how they are coming up with the same problems. You know, it's just not happening in Utah and you're learning from that and just that colleague and feeling of making friends and having those same achievements that you want to make. It's just a great opportunity to kind of spread your wings and learn from others. And then the other thing why I love working here is the autonomy. I have had great supervisors who just let me do my job without micromanaging. And I really love having that responsibility and accountability. So you can name those as non-negotiables. Absolutely. I didn't call them that, but it's just knowing that they know that I'll just get the job done. And it's empowering, especially now working from home. There's nobody coming in my door that's saying, have you done this? But I love having the opportunities of like we are now of technology that we can get on and talk what we are planning on doing for the day. And I have my one-on-ones with my supervisor and we exchange what needs to be done. And he's aware that I'll get it done. I just love having those check marks that I say, okay, I've got that. And I've learned that I can do things that I thought I was never capable of doing. 
especially at this time. So those are the things. It's the collaboration. I do miss walking on campus and just feeling that energy of students. So I miss that. But it's like I said, it's just the environment just fits with my lifestyle. I love those comments. And and I hope I don't embarrass you with this next question, Leslie. But I'd love to hear, I think it's so important to reflect on the value that we add to a company or an organization. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective, what is one value or one piece that you add to your team that really helps them? I think it's the responsibility. Oh, it's one of my strengths. I feel like if they ask me to do something, I am more than happy to do it. You know, you have your boundaries and you know what you're Absolutely. I have learned that I can stretch and I can get out of my comfort zone. I am happy to do it. And so I guess it's really that responsibility. And now, like I said, I had started out as such a young person starting. And now, you know, I'm one of the older ones and I have uh, the context kind of like what had worked in the past of all those years. And sometimes they come to me and say, hey, has this worked? And, And it's not like, oh, that's never worked. It's always good to try new things. And even though they have said, you know, want to try this? And I go, well, we've tried that before, but let's try it again in another way. So I hope I bring a little bit of context and just a little bit of knowledge of how the Career Center is. And I'm really excited about the new changes that our office has made. You have to be able to go with what the economy is doing, what the skill sets are going. And so those things, you know, I'm not up on all the skills of those technical things, but I hope I bring just a little bit of, I don't know. I'm not going to say mothering. I'm just kind of there. I hope I can be a listening ear and be a participant in going forward. Absolutely. Well, and having worked with you, I would say all of the above are true. So, <laughs> so I love that. Well, and it actually is a great kind of lead into my next question, which is for students, what skills would you recommend students really invest in to make sure that they've added to their career tool belt, especially as we move into 2021, but also just this new kind of virtual world? What skills would you recommend? Oh, yeah. Well, Well, definitely, yes, they have to learn all those technical skills, but really those social skills, the whole thing of, you know, our office having to so quickly modify and to adapt to this virtual world. So even, you know, recruiters and hiring managers, they're looking for candidates that can adjust that can be flexible. They have their own set of non-negotiables. And so they're looking for the best fit for their company. And so you really can't, yes, you can go in with, this is what I've learned. This is what I can do. But you may have to be asked to do something different. And you may think this is what you want, but you may have to start, like I said, a lower entry level. You know, remember that, that you've got to kind of work up. So being adaptable, flexible, kind of those soft, but I, I don't want to call them soft skills because I, they're real essential skills. And what you're ever learning, what the students are learning in class, that's different, but you've got to be able to bring that flexibility and adaptability. Yes. And I love that reframe that you did from soft skills to essential skills. I can't back that comment enough. These are skills, especially in this world of, you know, especially if you're working remotely, being able to communicate, I would say in a lot of respects is actually much more difficult because like you mentioned, you're not in an office setting where you can just pop by somebody's office. You have to intentionally send that email. You have to intentionally set up that meeting via Zoom. And so I think having those communication skills, having that ability to be flexible. You know, this semester, a lot of things are remote and spring 2021, I would guess would be similar, but fall 
all hard to say, you know, we might have some hybrids of, you know, in-person and, and online. So really having that ability to say, sure, let's try something else and move forward, I think are so essential. So I love both of those. Another question I'd love to make sure we have time for is I'd love to hear about a time when your personal values or some of these kind of non-negotiables we've been talking about have actually conflicted with work expectations. And talk to us about what you did in that situation. Oh, sure. I loved who I work with and everything. And I've mentioned that that's been huge. But of course, there's going to be or there has been just some maybe some policies or expectations that I didn't agree with or that just didn't set well. So I'm not going to go into specifically what that was. But what I did is I found allies in whether it was in my office or someone else that I could go to that had my same values. And it wasn't a going in, oh, I'm going to go and complain or go over the someone's head or anything like that. It was a place I knew that was safe, that I could just express my feelings without being judged or getting someone in trouble or something like that. But you need to be able to, hopefully, you have a safe space and an ally to go to. And you know, there was nothing ever that was a deal breaker. They're going, well, I just can't work here anymore. I didn't have that. And I understand that people will have that in their workplaces. And that's part of what your values are. There's some things that, you know, this is just not going to work. So I never felt that. But you know, it was a learning experience for me to kind of understand someone else's perspective and going, oh, okay, I can see why you're saying that. You know, maybe I still don't agree, but yeah, I understand. And just having that, and I think a lot comes to just respect. Having respect goes both way. And I believe that that's a huge non-negotiable, that I feel like I have to be somewhere where I'm expected, but it goes both ways. I need to respect others and their feelings and their thoughts and their perspectives too. Absolutely. And I love that. And, and I love that you don't always have to change your own values to align with others. You can simply respect that there are differences. And like you say, if it goes to that point where the values are so different, you know, perhaps that's a great time to evaluate, you know, your work and say, do I need to change careers or do I need to change companies? And I think that's a great way to stay really engaged in your work. And if you're noticing those things, that's a good sign. It means you're, you're still thinking about it and you're still invested. So I, I love those thoughts. Well, Leslie, we're just about out of time today, but I would love to hear your thoughts on one final question. And that question is, what advice would you give to others about determining career non-negotiables? I'm not going to take the credit for this definition, but as I was kind of doing some research, I found this, so I'm going to read it. It's so great. Career non-negotiables are the clear, well-defined themes upon which you design your career story. I love that. I just love that stories, your career story, that it can change depending on what your circumstances are at that time. And so, and really non-negotiables, they're your core aspects of yourself. So it's the lifestyle that you design personally and professionally that just kind of align. Realize that non-negotiables can evolve over time. So give yourself permission to reevaluate. I love that word of just reevaluating. Mine have changed, you know, now that I don't have younger kids, I'm looking at retirement. So my goals are a little bit different right now. And now I have to make sure I have time for my grandchildren. You know, so that's a, a big thing. You're constantly reevaluating. And so many people are just looking at their career from the beginning. Time goes quickly and you need to kind of see where you're fitting, what's important still, and just re 
reevaluating and knowing what your capacity is and that you can be most effective in your work choices and just the attitudes that you bring to a workplace. Absolutely. Well, Leslie, I so appreciate you joining the show today. I always appreciate your motherly advice and and also (laughs) professional advice. You're so in tune with individuals. And so I, I just really appreciate you being here with us today. Oh, it's been a privilege, Marissa. And I just love talking with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us here at the Queer Studio today. Please join us next week as we continue to discuss this month's theme of determining career non-negotiables. 